Kamara looking to turn. Mihalovic to Kone. Is this the moment? Yes, it is! Stan Saputo erupts! And it's the young superstar in waiting, Ishmael Kone, who cashes in. Penalty it is. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show, where today we're going to be talking about Orlando City. Go figure. The season's over. It's done. Orlando City has lost in their first round of the MLS Cup playoffs, 2-0 to Club de Foot Montreal. And that's it. Orlando Pro Soccer is done for... 2022 college soccer is still going on uh but pro soccer is done so with that welcome in my name is austin david here with gavin eubank and kyle foley we're gonna talk a little bit about what uh happened in the game against montreal take a little bit of a look forward but then in a couple weeks we're gonna all sit down and record a podcast kind of going through the entire team going through stats going through players who should come back who should not etc. So today is just going to be a very quick kind of reaction episode of like, hey, here's what happened. And also going to talk a little bit about uh, some stuff that Luis Muzi told us. With that, Gavin, Kyle, how y'all doing? Uh, Doing pretty well, you know. Orlando lost, but... The Yankees had survived, so you know I got yeah, something. Well, I got know, something no one, to hang no on one to cares. for a couple no, more days. No one cares. Everyone cares about the Yankees. What do you mean? Twenty-seven I, rings, bro. Get on board. That is a hard disagree. I do not think everybody cares about <laughs> the Yankees. Are you trying to tell somebody that they should become a bandwagon fan, Gavin? Much like most Yankees fans are. All right. First of all, dang, Austin. Austin's <laughs> out for blood today. <laughs> Most uh, Yankees like fans are Yankees fans because of the history and the mm-hmm. tradition. And the and fact that they win a lot because they the like to be front-running fans. Yep, I know. Yes, exactly. Yes, you, yeah, yes. you're you're right. Absolutely right. They love they love supporting winners. Yep. And it's why they don't win anymore. So, Speaking of not supporting winners. Yeah, how about that Orlando City game? <laughs> so Orlando City, would it be fair to say that they limped into the playoffs, guys? I wouldn't even say it that much they crawled in on one leg they were downed you know like in call of duty zombies when you're down and you're crawling to like safety to get your your, to your teammate that's the position that they were in i think it's better to say that they were just really hung over from the open cup and it it just took a long time to recover from the hangover for four weeks yes hey you know what sometimes it happens i happened to me at the beginning of covid (laughs) Happens to me when I drink one beer. <laughs> yeah, Gavin's actually still recovering from the claw cast years <laughs> later. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it, it did get a bit hairy towards the end there, to be it, fair. And to think that I was only taking, like, shots of hard seltzer, and <laughs> by the end of it, I was not feeling good. Now he's graduated to Mountain Dew hard mm-hmm. seltzer. Yep. I can drink one whole can. Yeah. All right. Back to Orlando City limping into the playoffs, or crawling, as Gavin said. After they won the U.S. Open Cup back on September 7th, they lost their next two, won against Toronto, lost their next two, then won against Columbus. So that means they lost 
four of their last six games. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not a mathematician, but that sounds right. Technically, uh, of their last seven, because they did lose to Montreal. Mm-hmm. So they, um, yeah, and that, yeah, that no, all I... of this, all of this was on the heels, by the way, of a four-game winning streak. Technically, five. Four in league play, then they won against Sacramento for a five-game winning streak. Yeah, no, I mean, I, it, it obviously became pretty clear that the the Open Cup hangover was certainly, you know, we talked about it a lot. That was very emotionally draining for them. They played a lot of soccer, especially in those final few weeks. You know, they had that game um, against Miami that was, I believe, the, yeah, the Miami game that was pushed, so that added even more um, to the condensed schedule. And all in all, you know, we've seen this from Orlando City almost every year. They get to that last point in the season and they kind of run out of steam. If you remember, obviously last year in 2021, they were it kind of the same. Like, you know, they were a competitive team for much of the for much of the regular season and then those last few weeks when they really needed to start winning games, it they couldn't. Um and then they same thing. They went into the playoffs against on the road against a good Nashville team and it unfortunately didn't go their way and you can pretty much write a similar narrative for them this year yeah except they won a trophy yeah yeah of course that's that's the biggest difference is that they won a trophy and to be fair in 2020 and 2021 the u.s open cup wasn't there to be played for orlando city because of i was gonna say even 2020 if i'm remembering they got off to that really hot start and then kind of slipped away near the end obviously they had enough to still win a playoff game um, and advance to the next round, but it, they've kind of they they have that tendency. This team does, and, and granted, it's not like this team is going into the playoffs every year, going into the latter stages every year as one of the top teams. So it's not like this is a big team that's just falling off a cliff. Yeah, this, no, or, know, Orlando the ceiling's pretty limited, right? Orlando didn't have a, a trail off towards the end of the 2020 season, and again, that's 2020 shortened, but like. I'm looking at their their results. Outside of the three two loss to Nashville to end the season, they won against Columbus. They won against Montreal. They won against Atlanta. They lost to Miami. They drew against Red Bulls. They drew against NYC. They drew against Atlanta. They won against Red Bulls. They drew against Dallas. They won against Sporting KC, and that's that's all through this September. This was 2020. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'm just misremembering that one. It with, with it was a season. it was a weird season. Yeah. To be fair. It was also like seven years ago. Yeah, exactly. But then you go into last year, right? After they, in September, they won, I think, one game in September out of six games played. Mm -hmm. And then in October, they beat D.C., they beat Cincinnati, drew Montreal, drew New England, lost to Columbus, drew Nashville, then beat Montreal, lost to Nashville, and that was how their season ended. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're Orlando, though, obviously we can't say it enough. You know, the, getting a trophy is a big deal for them. and But I think all in all, you can't be too hard on yourselves about how you finish this season because, I mean, obviously we'll get into the specifics of this game, but they – they, they crawled into the playoffs, but they put up a fight against Montreal. And I'm not saying they should have won that game, but they could have have won that game. 
Um, you know, they the scoreline obviously is not really indicative of how they played. You know, that penalty at the very last minute pushed it from one nothing to two nothing and kind of made it look a little bit like, you know, Montreal controlled the game a lot easier. Now Montreal did control the game, but Orlando was was, you know, very much in it. You know, they had every opportunity. They weren't and, and Montreal is obviously a much better team than Orlando is, and they put up a good fight. You know, for the first what hour of the game, I'd say, you know, this you know they were in it. Um, all things considered, you get to this point, you look back on it, you say, you know, they were there till the end, and that's I guess kind of what you can take away from it as a positive of all this. Yeah, and again, up until the sixty eighth minute, they actually looked like they had a better chance of scoring. In the first half, especially, they had three chances. That yeah. just completely missed the net. But Urchon Kara, yeah, I mean, Ivan Angulo, and Antonio Carlos, right at the end of the half, had chances to put Orlando on the board, and that could have changed the entire game. Yeah, they no, just it, I mean, couldn't hit they, the back of the net or any part of the net. Montreal, like I said, they, they dominated the possession, but I don't, nothing comes off the top of my head as a, as a chance better than what Orlando City was getting. Like, Orlando was getting the better chances. And if you think about a couple of shots looking a little bit better, they they have at least a goal, you know. And in Montreal, I don't know that you can say the same for them. I mean, they were obviously playing better, um, but I don't think that they were putting up chances as dangerous as Orlando was. Yeah, and when you look at the stats, eleven shots to five in favor of Montreal. But do you know how many shots on target between the two teams were had? <laughs> I'm looking at two. And two. I'm looking at the And um, that's the two goals that Montreal scored, one of them being a penalty. And if you look at the XG, Montreal didn't overtake Orlando City in XG until they scored that goal. Mm-hmm. Orlando's XG was much better. I mean, granted, Orlando didn't even get above one, but their XG was much better on the chances that they were getting than Montreal all the way up until um they were they were eventually trailing one nothing. Right. And and here's the the big key. Three chances in the first half that registered an expected goal. Two in the second half versus 11 for Montreal over the course of the game. Most of them coming in the second half. There were three in the first half. Three. And then eight in the second half. Just shows you how different the game became. I was gonna say, yeah. I mean, Montreal clearly came out out of out of the halftime break much better prepared to kind of stop Orlando City, and then and there was only two after the goal was scored for for Montreal. Anyways, continue. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that was pretty much it. You know, Montreal, like you said, they came out and they were they were the better team, obviously in the second half. You know, they Orlando just kind of. They ran out, you know, they ran out of out of ability. They ran out of talent, you know, whatever way you want to put it. They obviously were not the favorite in this game. And, you know, sometimes the underdogs don't, you know, the underdogs lose. That's why they're the underdogs. So you know, things just work out that way. When you look at the, the game in general, it was a story of exactly what we've seen through the course of this season, which is this team is consistently inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And I think I've been using that all over the place to describe this team because it is very much just they're in their DNA. 
they have been consistently inconsistent throughout this entire season. And heck, when I asked Oscar Pereja about it, I'm like, hey, you guys had zero shots on target. This isn't the first time that we've had to talk about this team not registering shots on target. And chance creations and inability to create throughout the course of this season I've, I've asked you for answers like what's the answer and of course he said he doesn't know hmm. uh but it's been it's been a, a reoccurring issue yeah for the entire year where this team has had the inability to create chances and they're such a front-running team that once they go behind in games, it's almost impossible for them to get a result. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, day, I, I told you that that stat of when they concede a goal, what their record is. Yeah, and I think I said something along the lines of like two, twelve and one or something. Yeah, it, yeah, no, it's definitely not good. I mean, and that's just what happens when you you can't score because you're going to have a lot of those teams where. If you're giving up the first goal, well, somebody's, you know, if you're not scoring, then the other team's scoring and no matter what, you know, like that's, but I mean, I think ultimately what it comes down to is just running at, you know, they don't have the talent. I mean, I don't think we can argue against the fact that these te- this these Oscar Pereja teams have been very well coached. You know, they play solid soccer. I mean, defensively, this is a good team when it's healthy, but up front, I mean... I think it's just, it's talent. It's talent. You know, they don't have enough of it. I don't they know don't if have it's necessarily... Depth. Yeah, the depth is definitely... talent to, to make up for the, those inefficiencies. I don't know if it's the talent necessarily. I think it is... The depth is one thing. Because, l- l- let me put it to you this way. When Urchan Kara was absent, and when Alexander Pato has been absent... Their chance creation took a nosedive. I mean, yeah, that's just not having enough talent behind those guys, right? And and of course, you can't necessarily prepare for injuries like that. But Mm -hmm. the depth was a big problem throughout this entire season. Antonio Carlos getting hurt for months, Robin Janssen getting hurt for the last couple months of the season. They had nobody to fill in. Mm -hmm. Like once once uh, Antonio Carlos was out and Rodrigo Schlegel was was out and at one point all three center backs were out because of injuries or like yellow card accumulations or something and they had to basically make a makeshift back line because they didn't have another center back and that's a, a another problem is they didn't have a backup for Mauricio Pereira when he was out chance creation dipped they had uh, Alexander Pato who they played in in different places and he was actually per 90 minutes one of the best chance creators on this Orlando City team and when he went out the offense did take quite a hit yeah and I know that obviously you know we'll kind of get to it uh you know eventually when we do our kind of whole like big roster thing but that's always been the problem with Orlando City hasn't it you know when have they ever had good center back depth when have they ever had any depth behind Mauricio Pereira never Mm. Because I mean, who no. was who was playing as the ten this year? It was Pato. It was know, Urso. Scenarios, yeah. Urso was playing as the ten. Yeah, Pato well, and Urso in in those scenarios. Yeah, and that's not good. <laughs> not that those players aren't good; they're just not the guys for that role. Now, I mean, granted, 
Orlando was playing pretty good soccer when they were able to put Pato there and drop Pereira deeper. But for pure chance creation, I mean, even Pato was was pretty limited in what he could do in that position. I mean, he was also cursed, so that didn't help. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of him scoring goals, cursed. But yeah. his chance creation was still very, very high. I, I believe the highest out of any other Orlando City player uh, statistically. Yeah, I mean, he was he was performing well enough in that role above expectations. I mean, that's right. for sure. Sure. And then he got hurt, which was yeah. expected somehow because <laughs> that's just his career track. But then you also didn't have Gaston Gonzalez, who was supposed to be your big midseason signing on the left wing to pair with Facundo Torres. I mean, there was just so many things that happened this season where they had injuries, they had suspensions, and they had no depth to make up for that. And this year is full of options for contracts, contracts expiring. Like, what, what does Orlando City do with all of these players. Yeah. I mean, that's that we've been talking about it a while. We've been banging the hammer that this is probably going to be a big off season for Orlando city. And I mean, even Luis Muzi in those, in the comments that we'll talk about in a little bit, he alluded to that, you know, that there's a lot going on, a lot of players that they're looking at both internally and externally. Um, but I mean, specifically in that role, in that Pereira role, I mean, I don't, I think we're probably both in agreement that we don't see Pereira coming back. No. So how they replace that, because that's also, like I said, behind him, that's been a position. And even before he came in, that was a big position that Orlando really struggled to fill. I mean, you could probably say Kaka, but you know, that's a given with, yeah. with Kaka. So, right. but, but I mean, outside like, of that. <laughs> yeah, when Kaka retired, so like 2018, 2019. Um, well, hold on. When, when did Mauricio join the team? I think it was the summer of 2019, right? No, it was 19. You're 19. Yeah. But, But I mean, between those, what was it? Shasha Kleshton? But did he play more than one season? He did. Okay. So, yeah, it was Sasha Kleshton up until that point from, what, 18 and 19 with Kreis. Um, Or 18 and then eventually 19 with O'Connor. Sasha Kleshton played from, he played 60 games. Orlando City. He was supposed to be their big money signing in the e- in uh, what was it eighteen? Yeah, and they and spent all that money on um, him and, and Justin Miram mm-hmm. and D- Dwyer the year before. Like mm-hmm. 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 that was uh, Jason Kreis's big plan. Will Johnson coming in? God, Will Will came in. Um, what year did he actually? That. Yeah, he uh, was Jonathan Spector also there. Was that his first year? Was eighteen? Oh, geez, Jonathan Spector. I forgot about him. <laughs> uh, his first year was twenty seventeen. Okay. Uh, Will Johnson was seventeen as well. Hmm. Okay, yeah, just those two big moves. God, that was a whole team. I obviously we don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but <laughs> that whole nucleus of a team. It's just Lamine Sane. Ugh. Mm-hmm. The Joe Bendick era, Mohammed El Manir. That was crop. a time, huh? Oh, Carlos God. Asquez. 
That's a name. R.J. Allen. R.J. Allen. Who is it? I was thinking Jose of, Aha. I remember Donnie Toya, too. I was thinking about R.J. Allen recently because remember he was supposed to be like this kind of uh, he was like a fringe national team guy. But then Christ like hated him like he fell out of favor with Christ because he did something to get like disciplined. Wasn't it like he didn't I, show no. up to training or something? I don't remember that at all, actually. Wait, not R.J. Allen. Who was am it I thinking Shane O'Neill? No, it's um the he was the Real Salt Lake guy. What was it? Donnie Toya? No. Because R.J. Allen was like one of those MLS veterans, right? And he ended up becoming a coach. He's retired now. Yeah, I don't know where he's yeah. at. I don't know. Was it was it Danilo Acosta? Yes, I think that's what it was. Okay, well he plays for Honduras now. Okay, <laughs> that's why I was like so confused. I'm positive that it was him. Yes, yes it was Danilo Acosta. Okay. Danny Acosta. Yes, he's. Danny uh, Acosta. He's uh he was, he was like really good in like his first two games and then we just like fell off the earth. Yes, I do remember that whole saga. <laughs> you're you're right. The 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 only real US men's national team left back uh prospect Orlando City's had in their history is one Breck Shea. Mm. Dane Breckenshay. <laughs> I am also now remembering that Bobby Murphy was interim head coach for a bit and Bobby almost Murphy. won in Vancouver. He was pissed at uh who was it? Uh Baptista. He yeah. was upset at because he he um what he he was like oh he lost me coach of the year because he missed that PK. That was the say something positive game. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> good times, good times. What were we so anyways, talking about? <laughs> something about uh, Orlando City's past kind of uh, lost the plot there a bit. Uh, yeah. Um. What do you want to talk about now? Let's just move on from whatever that was about. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so they lost. They lost the game. <laughs> Season's over. Um, you could just wrap it there, honestly. <laughs> yeah. This no, it was so even... it was such a disappointing loss that we're talking about the worst eras of Orlando City history. <laughs> I'm sure that there's got to be at least four or five listeners at home that are enjoying this trip down memory lane. I don't know if you really enjoy these, <laughs> but. It's like the the that little meme of like the dog like staring off and then like the nom images <laughs> flying behind him. Uh, all right, well the the season's over. How do you, how mm-hmm. did you guys feel about twenty twenty one? How would you if you had to sum it up in just a you know a brief thought? Successful. Where do you see it? I yeah I still land where I was before the game, which was that if Orlando loses, it was still a successful season, and I I stand by that. I think yeah, I, mean, I think pretty easily. I, yeah, falling out of the playoffs means nothing when you won the Open Cup. You're the only yep. Open Cup winner in the 2020s. No other yes. team has done it. It's true. This decade. Yeah. Most right. Open Cup wins in the last three years. More than every other team combined. Yeah. yeah. It's really wow. it's really some impressive statistics if you, if you think about it. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we end the show, I do want to talk about the – Luis Muzi interview uh, that we threw up on the Orlando Soccer Journal and just kind of discuss those talking points that were made. And we can save a lot of the stuff for next week, but because the article is out there, I feel like we should probably talk about it because uh, Muzi did give some uh, some juicy tidbits mm-hmm. into uh, the future. So uh, first off, Oscar Pereja has one year left on his contract and is in discussions for a uh, extension. 
Yeah, good. No, I mean that's it's a no brainer. Honestly, I, three straight playoff appearances, uh, first title in club history. I mean, like I said, I think. I mean, I it seems like at this point, if he's throwing that out there, I would expect at least I'm like I'm getting the sense now that we might see a new contract before. Um, the start of the season. I mean, I think I said last week, you know, if Orlando's looking in rough shape next year, even after a big offseason, maybe Pareja's seat starts to warm up. But I think that if obviously if he signs a new deal, things would have to be pretty catastrophic next year um, for him to get the boot. But I, I don't see a problem with locking him up at least a couple more years. Mm-hmm. Winning his coaching club history. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what more he's got to do. To, to earn this trust because I mean if you think about it too if Win you're getting game. rid of Pereja what does that say about Luis Muzi who's building this roster for him you know right I think the the two are tied together at this point yeah it seems pretty pretty obvious yeah you asked what more can you do though win a playoff win, game win yeah win, win a, win a playoff play- game. Yeah, I don't I, mean, I don't necessarily I, mean that judgmentally because like I it's it's hard mm-hmm but, like, that's the next step. And if it doesn't happen, I think if it doesn't happen next year, you start talking about should the seat be warm. But I think I think until then, like, yeah, through I, all of next year, that seat is should be ice cold. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it's going to be challenging next year because we're expecting so many new faces that obviously it's, it's, it's going to be hard to expect success right off the bat with that. But I think... I think it's realistic for any of us to want to say like Orlando needs to take a step. You know, they like they've made the playoffs three years in a row, but at that point is just making the playoffs good enough. You know, like yeah, they should make a run for a semifinal or a conference final. I think that that would definitely be an ideal target. I would say that as well, but we'll see how the the everything plays out. All right, next uh, topic. The trade with Chris Mueller, remember that whole thing uh, where he left for free, then ended up coming back to MLS, signing with the <laughs> Chicago Fire in May, and Orlando got a boat ton of things for him. I'm just out here running around, man. Russell Westbrook. Yep. Chris Mueller. So not only did Orlando get $500,000 in general al- allocation money, but Orlando got or uh, Chicago's natural first round pick in the 2023 draft which 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 i i'm not sure you're gonna have to give me more information on this was chicago good this year or were they bad well if chicago had been good orlando would have probably had a pick within the you know teens instead because chicago was in fact bad they get the number six pick overall that seems i mean that's that seems optimal Yes, and I don't know if they traded away their natural first-round pick, Orlando's, as well, uh, but if they still have that, they'll probably be somewhere in the teens for their pick as well, so they'll have two first-round picks unless it was traded for another trade, and I'd have to look into that, but that would yeah, be no, for I mean, the show in a couple that, weeks. That top 10, I mean, it's big. Obviously, the college pool is kind of thinned out lately um but you can definitely find some good talent i mean chris Mueller was what sixth overall fifth overall daryl mm-hmm. dk obviously they got fifth right there overall. in the top yep. 10 kyle Aaron, like 
you can find good players in that top 10. And Muzi himself even said, I kind of like this quote where he's talking about this, that they've been doing a lot of scouting um, because they want to find a really good player for that number six pick. He said, quote, mm-hmm. having the number six pick changes things, right? If you're sitting at a number 25, then it's like, okay, let's see what we can get. But having the number six, we've been putting a lot of effort into that. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it, it obviously changes like going from six to the, the low 20s or wherever they would have been naturally. Um, yep. And and here's here's a here's a fun little thing. So out of all of the like top players in the uh, college soccer rankings, according to Top Drawer Soccer, six of them are from the American Athletic Conference, which UCF plays in. Not for long. Right, but the point of the matter is. UCF is going to be playing these teams and it's an opportunity for the coaching staff to just head over to the UCF stadium and watch these games, watch these teams, watch these players may give a a shout to some of the players for UCF as well. Cause they have some very good individual players. Funny enough. They also, some of them come from Montverde Academy, which is a whole other thing. But, uh, yeah, there, there's, uh, there's an interesting talent pool this year. Not necessarily a lot of the goal scorers, and I don't think you're necessarily looking for a good goal scorer in this draft, but a lot of midfielders, a lot of defenders. Um, so you could get a, a good depth piece in the back line from the college draft. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is also... I don't remember what Orlando. I don't even remember who Orlando City's first pick was this year. But last year, it was Jack Lynn. Derek, Jack Lynn, that's right. But I'm thinking of uh, Derek Dodson, eighth yep, overall. Was, yep. Didn't even play for Orlando. Yep. They they transferred him out, and he is. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's even really playing all that much in uh, USL he now. He had 22 appearances and two goals this season for Memphis. Yeah. See, that's not what you want for a striker, is it? I guess. It, on his Wikipedia page, I guess I didn't really know this. It's he he obviously missed preseason to go back to Georgetown, but he is signed with the team on a one year contract with three separate option years. Mm-hmm. So clearly, yeah. and then they also they did that with Jack Lynn too. Yeah, when they signed him, I, they signed him with, with option years like that. I do remember last year when the um, when the roster news came out, and he was one of the players declined, and it was him and like several other like young players that we were yeah Rio Hope Gund as well. Yeah, uh, a couple of their homegrown players. I think David Luera. Yeah, I think David Luera was let go too. I, yeah, because I remember there was like several names, um, and then mm-hmm. yeah, so it was that. But um, but yeah, pretty mixed bag. I think overall, you can say about what about the super draft, which is which we've always known. So yeah, Orlando got lucky with the fact that they got a Laren and a DK. But like even that in itself is like rare Mm -hmm. very much so all right so outside of the number six pick Muzi also talked about the summer signings in Angulo Cartagena and Joaquini Um, Angulo and Cartagena had the better of the three both of them are on loan Angulo signed for a year loan so he's here through at least mid-season next year with an option to extend until the end of 2023. Cartagena had a 2022 season with the option to extend through 2023, 
though that decision has not been made as of yet to extend Cartagena or not. And then Joe Acchini, who barely played, signed the longest deal with a two and a half year contract with an option year for 2025. Yeah, and does he only, that contract... he only played six so, games. Does I that wonder... contract look puzzling in retrospect, especially considering that the MLS PA uh, salary report comes out and he's making four hundred thousand dollars. Yes, and they signed him to such a long deal. Yes, it just really makes you scratch your head. So, so a a. He had come from playing over in Europe, so had been playing full season. Um, I don't think he, he wasn't playing at all over there. Coming into, but but being active in a, in a, in a full He was season. coming off the bench for spot minutes, like five, ten minutes per time, basically. Um, then, then coming over here, knowing that he was a long-term signing, I wonder if that's almost an incentive to not rush him onto the field. Yeah, well, I mean, give him a full yeah, preseason because yeah. he came he came to the team having. Yeah, I mean, not he's still really... got two years, so I mean, he's he can obviously yeah. fit into this team. He's a young point. prospect for the U.S., and I you think know. the fact that they don't have to use an international slot on a player that has gotten U.S. men's national team minutes is like you 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 can't throw away his potential. He's twenty two years old, yeah. Like he's still super young, and he's already started his career playing in Europe, in France. Like you can't throw that away. He made. Yeah, I, I mean, I, listen. He made twenty-eight appearances for Montpellier in Ligue 1. Those were five-minute per appearance. I, but yeah, I appreciate your extremely French pronunciations there. It's actually the oh, merci. Uber Eats Ligue 1. Oh yeah. I find it funny that Gavin was the one who took French in high school and sounds the most American speaking it. I mean, you've yet to hear me attempt to speak Excuse French, me? nor will you. Excusez-moi. Excusez-moi. I don't like this. <laughs> this is, don't make this me get am- back on my Duolingo kick. And you this should. Is a, this, is, this is an American. This is an American podcast. We don't speak. It's going to be a French podcast. Anyway. That language. But yeah, Giacchini is definitely going to be one of those guys who we really <clears throat> didn't think about that much because he was so scarce on the field. But come next season, come preseason, I think there's going to be some eyes on him to to step up and kind of be be something well we'll see meanwhile uh he talked about gaston gonzalez as well did Luis muzi uh because he tore his acl in the last game that he played for uh club atletico union um that was back in april he's no been runs progressing like gaston fast as hell like gaston can't play for the <laughs> season because he tore his acl like gaston <laughs> honestly i'm, I'm exceptionally is, proud of that <laughs> if if anyone from the supporter groups wants to just adapt that disney song it's very on brand i'm sure disney would not be litigious at all they have no history of <laughs> doing that they are very friendly with people using their copyrighted material for their own gain be it well i mean disney is a sponsor of orlando city so still have a feeling probably wouldn't fly but you know what who am i to dash people's dreams i say go for it there you go anyways and- he's uh he's progressing he'll be ready for preseason according to Muzi. and then um last couple things that he had mentioned were contract talks they're talking with pedro they say they want to have him here in 2023 and beyond i have heard they are still very far apart 
in terms of coming to an agreement on what they uh, want to pay because uh, statistically, and I'll get into this in a couple of weeks, uh, Pedro didn't have a great year according to his uh, his numbers and He's his on what, save percentage. He's on what, about Yeah. You know, and he, I think he, he and his agent are probably hearing the hype saying, like, you should be making a DP salary. They're probably like, oh, well. Yeah, I mean, Andre Blake is the best goalkeeper in the league, and he only makes, like, six, 700000 so I don't know that he, um, well, he has the leverage. I mean, now, Gat, Pedro may have the leverage because there's, all, you know, there's always reports about him being clubs interested in him outside of the league. Um, so we'll see. Well, uh, he is not the highest paid. Yeah, not anymore, but... Thanks to St. Louis goalkeeper Roman Berkey, who's making $1.63 million in guaranteed God compensation. Bless. God bless. The highest paid MLS goalkeeper who has not played a game in the so league. Okay, so... He's a former Borussia Dortmund guy, that's why. Well, and he's... Here, only, he's I, Gladbach? No, no, he was, he was Dortmund. He's, he's, he's 31. Yeah, yeah. So he's not he's yes. not that old. That's still yeah. that that kind of money for a deep, for a goalkeeper in MLS. If he shits the bed on the off, what was? Um, so I mean, he was so he was bad. he was there he was their starting goalkeeper from 2015 on yeah. until deciding to yeah. come here. So it's not like he was a bad like I don't necessarily now I don't think you should pay goalkeepers that kind of money at all i think they're like running backs in the nfl where they just their shelf life and the ability to find other ones like them you should not be paying them like that but i i I don't think that's that absurd for the type of player he is i think it's very clear that they did not learn anything from the philadelphia union also uh, can i just mention that it is hilarious that roman berkey played in U in uh, MLS Next Pro. Just like yeah, but remember, but, but remember that's a developmental league for young players, but also not because anybody can have their own teams, but also it still kind of is, but also nobody knows what the fuck it's supposed to be. Yeah. Can you tell um, him still angry I, about MLS Next Pro? Yes, just a little bit. Uh he he uh hilariously uh for a developmental league uh played four games and conceded four goals. Does anyone remember Rice Bolle? Did I get that name right? Oh, Rice and Bolle. Rice and Bolle. Yeah. The guy who was making like $700,000 for the... He was a DP goalkeeper for the union at a time when that was unheard of. And he was also awful. Yes, I do remember. Uh, he Because he was uh, the starting goalkeeper for Algeria in the yeah. World Cup. His Wikipedia page it it ends his time as in the union. It says Embola is rated as one of the worst signings in club history. <laughs> After playing played- only nine matches in 2015, Jim Curtin said that Embola would never play again for Philadelphia. <laughs> Jesus. He signed in July of 2014, and after nine games in 2015, he was done. Could you imagine being so bad at anything that Philadelphia doesn't want you anymore? Like Philadelphia is is America's trash can. And this was when Philadelphia was bad. This was yeah. before Philly became a powerhouse. Yeah. Let's. You let's, know where Rice and Bully is playing now? Let's hold on. Let's ease up on calling them a powerhouse. All right, they had a good yes. year. They've had they the last the couple years. Last year. yeah. yeah. Well, okay, they've had a good two years, but the last, really, honestly, last year and the year before, they didn't count. Still COVID. 
in my record book, they've got an asterisk. Right? All right. <laughs> I can't let people from Philadelphia feel too good about themselves. All right? The Phillies are doing good right now. The he Flyers are He was also the guy really that good. gave up. He the was Eagles also the are doing goalkeeper. Good. He was the goalkeeper on the uh, Landon Donovan World Cup goal in 2010. Yep. And then they saw him and it's like, yeah, that's the guy we want. Yep. That's our guy. Yeah. It's a very Philly move. All right. Mm. Last couple of things for uh, Luis Muzi and then we'll end the show. There's going to be four competitions that Orlando City is going to be playing in next year. The U.S. Open Cup, the League, the League's Cup, and the Champions League. So Just uh, to put that in pool? perspective. They they could win the not only the treble they could do a quadruple yeah oh. I mean, it clearly clearly has to happen we're we're willing it into existence yes naturally um, but Muzi did talk about depth where he's going to be utilizing a lot more of the academy to try and get more people playing time and a lot more players are going to get playing time and they have to think about how they're making their roster because of all these players needing to get playing time. So Oscar can't just roll out the same lineup 20 times in a row and expect them to be the same level. He's going to have oh, to. He, oh, he can. <laughs> oh, he he can and realistically probably will. Mm. He'll just go to the players and be like, you're good, right? <laughs> All right, you're playing a full 90. Anyways, uh, the last thing that Muzi talked about was the academy and the homegrowns. Uh, the academy added a U12 group alongside the U15s and U17s to... to help pump talent to OCB and eventually the first team. Uh, they have some prospects for OCB, but uh, it's been a slow process to grow the academy, and they're, they're progressing. That's that's really what they're, they're after. Um, but he said uh, there's going to be a lot of competitions, so they need to get involved a little more. And if you look at our footprint in college as well right now, we're getting players in the college who can eventually come back as homegrowns, just like Benji Michelle did. There's there's potential for some players who not necessarily go through the academy system, but still have the homegrown rights that Orlando City could go after. Mm-hmm. Potentially, of course. But that's all that Luis Muzi had to say. Um, very interesting to think about, for sure. Mm-hmm. Any other final thoughts? Um. Given- too many thoughts today. I've run out of thoughts. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even believe in thinking anymore. Honestly. Mm. So it sounds like that's a good time to end the show. We'll do uh, a, a big season wrap up in two weeks' time. If all goes to plan. Uh, but until then, thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show, and our uh, wild and crazy thoughts that went from one tangent to another, with some semblance in between, as we do on this show. Been doing this for how long now, guys? We we cannot be ending yet. We're almost at ten years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we cannot be ending the show yet, though. There are some very important things we haven't gotten to. Are we doing the full show where we go into uh, red cards and weird news, sir? I have quite possibly the greatest both red card and weird news. All, All right, right. Let's let Kyle. Let's let Kyle get his in, and then we'll weird news this and is... red cards. Kyle, go for it. Kanye West only wishes death on the Jews who did him wrong. That's not even the best part of the headline. The best part of this is that he said this on Piers Morgan's show. (laughs) That's all. That's just... I don't even need to read it. That's 
fucking red card Kanye, and also weird news. Oh, that was both. Yeah. Uh, out of curiosity, Austin, what's your relationship with Kanye West like? Are you are you good? Non-existent. All right, all right. <laughs> I was I was making sure. I mean, we were ready to protect you. <laughs> Weird news for me. I'm just gonna read some headlines here. Uh, new Prime Minister of England, Liz Truss, pretended relatives <laughs> died to duck BBC Question Time. Oh my god! As you do. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene says you can get fentanyl poisoning from car doors. I'd like to know how that one works. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. All right, last uh, headline that I want to read as uh, weird news: A woman has claimed she contracted an STD after a janitor dipped his penis inside her water bottle. <laughs> Listen, what? Do you want more context into this? <laughs> yes. A woman pe- claims a janitor with an incurable sexually transmitted disease dipped his <laughs> penis inside her water bottle and infected her. What a dick move. The victim was at a doctor's office when the suspect in Houston, Lucio Diaz, was caught on camera putting his penis inside her water bottle. Oh wait. He was so he was a he was a janitor at a doctor's office? Yes. Oh Jesus. He she said that she caught the man not once but two days in a row on a spy camera. Wait, hold what, on. What is her incurable disease? How did she, she has, have a she spy has camera an STD. in her? How did she, she have? What, how did she have a spy cam in her doctor's office? I'm very confused. She caught him I twice on a spy a cam-, cam. She put a camera at her desk, I guess. Oh, so she works there. She works at a doctor's office with the suspect. Okay, okay, uh, okay. I thought I thought she was a patient. Yeah. No, that's what it no, 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 no. Sorry, she works at the office. Still, still, same levels of of terrible. I just yes. Yeah. Uh, so here's here's the kicker. Uh, the janitor was charged with indecent exposure and uh, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. <laughs> oh, my God. You know that man's going to go the entire rest of his life calling his penis a deadly weapon. <laughs> they messed up on that one. They uh, gave him ammunition. So, yeah, that that's my that's place. my weird news. That is quite weird. Sounds like a good place to finish. But a water bottle's not. <laughs> I don't think Austin gets it. Any red cards or? Oh no, I get it. I'm just, I'm just moving it on. Any red cards and/or playing advantages? Uh, red card to the trash draws. They suck. Indeed, indeed. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I will give another playing advantage to Chainsaw Man and a red card to people who have not watched Chainsaw Man. The yeah, that's it. Watch Chainsaw Man. I need to go watch Chainsaw Man then. <laughs> so you're getting arrested for not having watched Chainsaw Man. I, I just heard that. I'm like, that's the perfect timing. Good Lord. <laughs> Anyways, that will actually do it for the show now. I think we're we're good to end it there. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. For Gavin Eubank and Kyle Foley, I'm Austin David. We'll be back in a couple weeks to do a big breakdown show of Orlando City and Orlando Pride. See you then. Bye-bye.